Well, hello and welcome to this live English lesson. I know that when you learn a language, sometimes you have questions and you just can't find the answer to it online or in a textbook. Uh, maybe even when you ask your English teacher, they don't know the answer. So, the reason I do this lesson is to answer all those little strange questions that you have about the English language. As you know, I'm Bob the Canadian. I live here in Canada. If you would like to see a bigger version of what's behind me, let me go to the screen here. I did prepare a chair for you. I know in the chat earlier, Mode Egg said he was claiming that chair uh, to sit in. Uh, but it is a chair for you to imagine that you are sitting in and I'll put the river cam up as well uh, so that you can have a look at the river. It is a beautiful day for an English lesson outside here in Ontario, Canada. Uh, Dave is here to moderate the chat. I think Dave is on his own today uh, in terms of moderation, but uh, it certainly is a beautiful day. If I'm quiet, you'll be able to hear the cicadas. You might even be able to hear a bird chirping here and there uh, in the tree above me and in the trees behind me. Uh, anyways, good day to have a lesson. Let's go over how this works. Uh, there is a link that will appear in the chat. If you click that link, you go to a Google form. You can use that form to ask a question. I try to answer as many questions as I can, but honestly, if you don't submit your question within the first 30 to 40 minutes, I probably won't get to it, okay? Um, but I will get started in just a moment. I do want to say hi to Rod, the Brazilian English teacher who's here. Always good to see Rod in the chat. Uh, Semra is here. Maria C is here. I know Lolly Lolly is here. Mode Eggs is here. Let me scroll back to say hi to a few more people. Uh, Salman is here. Uh, Mr. 51 is here. Asad Ali is here. Educational Fans is here. Very cool. Um, I did mention that Dave was here already, didn't I? Yes, I think I did say that. Val Val is here. And many, many more people. I know Wanda Prado is here as well. But I think it might be time to get started. As always, I need to do one more little audio check before we get this lesson rolling. There we go. And I think I'm a little off center. I'm just going to move myself there. And let me jump to uh, the first question. Let me see who the first question is from. I'm always surprised how quickly the questions come in. There's already 12 questions. Very cool. Um, this is from Tripto. Tripto says, hello, Bob. Tell me some interesting differences between English and French. You sometimes mention French is more beautiful than English. Why is it so? I think quite often when we learn a new language, we we appreciate the beauty of that language maybe more than our own. And I find French to be a beautiful language. It just sounds really nice to me. The best way I can explain it is when I hear French, it makes me feel like I'm on vacation for some reason. And then I'll talk about one difference. Uh, I'll talk about one thing I don't like about French. I don't like it that you have to memorize whether something is masculine or feminine. You know, la pizza, le pain. I don't have, I don't like memorizing uh, that. And we don't have that in English. I'm very happy about that. That would make English even harder to learn. Next question from M. Bilal. Sir, what's the difference between quilt, comforter, and duvet? Thanks. So, a quilt is made up of little squares sewn together. Okay, so a quilt usually is made out of all little squares of fabric sewn together to make a pattern. A comforter is really just a thick blanket, maybe with something on the inside to make it warmer. A duvet is a particular type of blanket that's filled with goose down or some kind of down. 
and it's almost like a blanket that feels like a thick pillow. So slight difference. Um, most people in Canada just have a comforter and if you want something more luxurious, you buy a duvet. Uh, let's see here. Yaroslav says, hi, the wisest teacher, Bob. Thanks, Yaroslav. Hope you are doing extremely well. My question is, what plant farm idioms do the Canadians use to take care? Well, the first one that comes to mind is if you say someone bought the farm, it means that they died. So it's not a nice way to describe it. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's very serious. But if you were to say Joe's dog bought the farm, it means that Joe's dog died. That's kind of sad. Um, what's another one? Um, trying to think. I can't think of any off the top of my head other than that one, Yaroslav. I'm sure there are more than that for sure. Let's see here. Next question. Just have to check something here. There we go. Oh, Brent from American English from uh, with this guy is here. Good to see you, Brent. Uh, I think Brent's on a trip right now for some reason. I think he went to the southern U.S. I don't know if he's back or not. Um, my understanding is he went to see a concert. Dave Matthews Band? I think I watched that video. <laughs> Anyways, Murdrad, dear teacher Bob, what are the differences between sport and workout? How do you say you do a particular sport? Thanks. So you say that you play a sport. So you could say, I play hockey, I play soccer, I play um, volleyball. That's how you would say that you do a sport. The difference between workout and sport is simply, working out is simply training your body. So if you lift weights, if you go for a run, if you walk on the treadmill, we would say that you are working out or that that is a workout. Uh, Brent says, you nailed it. Boom. <laughs> so yes, I sometimes spy on Brent by watching his videos. But anyways, you should go watch his videos. Sometimes uh, he does crazy things. He does crazy things that I don't do. But uh, someday we hope to meet up in Niagara Falls and do a few crazy things together. Uh, let's see here. Mode says, hi, Mr. Bob. As someone who has the cutest accent in the world, how would you pronounce incomparable? Thank you. Watching from the lawn chair behind you. Yeah, we should go to uh, River Cam View for this one. Um, incomparable. Yeah. So when you can't, when someone or something can't be compared or that someone or someone is really, really cool, uh, you would say they're incomparable. That means you're not able to compare them to others to... Um, because they're just so awesome, I think. Hey, X, let's see, Xzek has become a member. Thank you so much, Xzek, for joining and becoming a member of the channel. Um, and then Reed Wan says, Hi, Teacher Bob, why are you so entertaining? I'm in a good mood today because it is 24 degrees Celsius out here. It might even be 22. We have a high of 24 degrees today. Um, it has been over 30 degrees every day for many, many days. So I am very, very happy uh, that it has cooled down a bit. My mood is tied to how warm it is outside, I think. Um, Eduardo, hey, Bob, good morning. I see Mode saying, learn English with Bob the Canadian. You're incomparable to anyone else. Thanks, Mode. Um, I have a question. Why are you staring or looking at me? It means the same, right? And what does it mean, knock it off? Thanks. So if so if you were sitting somewhere looking at someone, they could say, why are you looking at me? Or they could say, why are you staring at me? Notice I hardly say the word are. Why are you staring at me? Why are you looking at me? Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of an aggressive thing to say. It can be something you see people see in a mo say in a movie before a fight starts. They'll say, why are you staring at me? Are you staring at me? 
and then they get into an argument and maybe they get into a fight. Uh, and then knock it off is what you say when you want people to stop doing something. If someone in the chat, uh, was posting, um, you know, links to a website where they're selling something, Dave would say, Hey, knock it off. Actually, Dave would just block them. But if you want someone to stop doing something, you would say, knock it off. Andre Padron, hello, Mr. Bob, according to your experience, when is a person, I'm going to add an is, considered bilingual? Actually, I'm just going to move the is. Please explain, let me down and disappointed. I would say a person is bilingual when they can go through a day in their life speaking the language they are learning uh, and getting everything done they need to get done. Okay. And then I would also add that they're able to enjoy life in that language as well. So watching a TV show or listening to music, uh, I would say that would be bilingual. If you can, um, let's say you're studying in a country, uh, and you're learning English. If you can go through your school day and you can have an enjoyable evening all in English, I would say you are bilingual. When you let someone down, you disappoint them. Okay. Um, that's, that's definitely what let me down means. Um, Ruslan says, hello, dear teacher, Bob, you are so kind and positive person. You have no video without my thumbs up. Thanks. Looking forward to 1 million subs. Best wishes, sir. Thanks, Ruslan. Yeah, I, I passed 800,000 subscribers this past week. I was a little shocked when that happened. Uh, I didn't have a party or anything like that, but I will make a special video uh, if I do hit a million, which might happen, who knows? The channel keeps growing, so it's quite possible. Uh, let's see here. Clement, what is the most important aspect when you are learning English? I think motivation. When, Whenever you're doing something that takes a long time and something that is sometimes hard, sometimes it's enjoyable. I think motivation, staying motivated, whether you do something to motivate yourself, whether you do something to reward yourself, uh, I think that's the most important thing. Um, because certainly if you were, if you were to say conversation is the most important aspect, but then you keep, you know, skipping your conversation lessons and you just don't do them. You need to be motivated that I think with almost anything in life, staying motivated is the most important aspect. Uh, let's see here. Daniel, hey, Bob, can you tell me why you don't use to after make or help? Example, they won't help me lift the table. I'll make them cook dinner. Hope you're doing well. Sometimes we just don't, okay? Sometimes when we combine things together, sorry, I think uh, someone's driving in to buy flowers, but I don't have a camera pointing that way. <laughs> um, can you tell me why? Okay, they won't help me to lift the table. That is possible. Like they won't help me to do this but it's just not common. I think we've gotten a bit lazy and so we don't. Um, and then the second one, I'll make them cook dinner. I'll make them. Yeah. In that situation, we wouldn't use two at all. I'll help them make dinner. Sorry, Daniel. I don't have a great answer for you. Um, but, uh, certainly English can be tricky sometimes. Renata. Hello, Bob. I hope you are terrifically well. Do native speakers say lay down and lie down interchangeably. Thank you. Have a terrific day. So technically they're different. Okay. Technically, um, I think it goes, I need to get this right because, um, we stumped, we do mix them up. We do. So here's the official definition. Let me find it here. So I don't like to lay my purse on the floor. So that's how you would use lay. And then, 
Sometimes the children lie. No, that's the wrong lie. Um, I like to lie in bed. But here's what I'll tell you. As native English speakers, we sometimes just use them interchangeably. So that's why I had to look it up. Sometimes I lay down on the couch and have a nap. Sometimes I lie down on the couch and have a nap. One of those is incorrect, but in everyday informal English speech, we use them interchangeably. So I would certainly look up the rules though. Uh, Chico. Hi, what does turn in and turn out mean? Are forests in Canada burning now? In Siberia, very huge territory is burning. So to answer the second question, yes, there are still forest fires in Western Canada. In British Columbia, there are forest fires. Um, But uh, to go back to your question, to turn in and to turn out, um, when you do something at school and the teacher wants you to um, give it to them, we say that you turn it in. Um, when someone commits a crime and the police don't know who he is, you can go uh, catch them and turn them in. Um, sometimes people turn themselves in. So there's a number of meanings for turn in. Turn out usually just means how something ended up being. How did the party turn out? Um, how did your game turn out? Um, it just means what were the results and how did it go? Betty from Earth. <laughs> Not an alien. Betty is definitely from Earth. Um, sorry, I just had an error pop. I've been getting a lot of errors lately. I should figure out. I should figure out why that's happening. Um, could you use sort out and hang in there to make sentences? Thanks for your answer. Have a cool day. So let's say I threw everything after the lesson. I'm going to throw all my stuff in this bag. Um, and it's going to be a mess. When I go in the house, I'm going to have to sort everything out. Okay, I'm going to have to um, make things organized again. So I'm going to sort things out. Um, Hang in there is simply something we say, like let's say learning English is really hard and you want to quit. I would say, hey, hang in there. You can do it. So it's an encouraging thing to say to someone. Betty from Earth. Uh, Lavinia, can you explain the use of providing that? So... Let me think of now my bag's blowing away. Um, providing that. Yeah, here's a good one. I will keep doing these English lessons, providing that people show up. So basically what it means is you say one part of the sentence, you say something you're going to keep doing, and then you give the reason or what needs to take place to do it. Okay. I will uh, do this English lesson for an hour, providing that the weather stays nice. Um, providing that uh, things are really, really nice outside. Let's look at the meaning of that just to see if there are other meanings to it. If you say that something will happen providing or providing that something else happens, you mean the first thing will happen only if the second thing also happens. So there you go. That's your formal uh, definition of it. Uh, Let me get to the next question here. Harry from Vietnam. I always feel bored when reading books. Can you show me some ways to make it better? Now, this is a challenging one, Harry, because some people just don't like reading books. Even in their own language, they don't really enjoy reading. So, it's that's a tough one. I find that because I enjoy reading in English, it's very easy for me to read in French because it's already something I like. The only thing I can say to encourage you and to help motivate you is to read about things you're interested in. You don't always have to read novels. 
for sure make sure you're always looking things up on the English version of Wikipedia. If you have a favorite band or a favorite type of music, um, or if you want to know more about cats or dogs, always read about those things in English on the English Wikipedia. Uh, let's see here. Sailor says, why not give lessons in montage? I think it's a great idea. So I think you might be looking for another word there. Um, let's see here. Oh, I see. Yes, I could go and shoot beautiful scenes of Canada and then create a video which is called a montage and then maybe talk while you're watching it. I'll see. Maybe I'll do that at some point. Notice my French pronunciation, montage. I don't know if it's the same word in French. Maybe one of our French speakers can help us out. Judith, hi, Bob. I hope you decide to make a small live lesson next week. Postprandial means after the meal. How often do you use it? Never. <laughs> no, we never say that. We would just say after the meal. Um, oh, after the meal, I usually feel really full. Or after the meal, we will have dessert. Or after the meal, we will sit and have a nice conversation. So, nope, we don't use the word. Not a common word at all all. Uh, next question here from Irina. Hi, Bob. Please explain how to use to edge and to fetch away. Thank you. Best wishes from Ukraine. So that's interesting. Like to edge something, I can only think about like woodworking. So when you're done making something out of wood, you might, um, you know, you might need to edge it. You might need to put something along the side. Same with if you're doing some art, you might need to edge it where you, you're putting a little border around it. Not a very common verb, by the way. Uh, and to fetch away, we don't use very often at all. Um, I'm going to go fetch some water. I'm going to go fetch. Fetch itself is kind of an old word. Um, the most common use of fetch right now is when you're playing with a dog. If you throw a stick, the dog will go fetch the stick. So I wouldn't worry about either of those verbs. They're, uh, they're not common at all. They might be in British English though. You always have to remember I'm a North American English speaker. I'm Canadian. So um, let's see here. I have to look something up for a sec. Because yes, here we go. Sorry, let's get the next question on the screen. Cavish says, hi, Bob. Hope you are keeping well. Do you know the meaning of you are acting shady and cynicure? Thank you in advance from Sri Lanka. The second word I do not recognize. The phrase to be acting shady or he's acting shady or he's doing something shady means they're, the person is doing something that's a little bit illegal, okay? So let's say um, somebody is selling stuff in their store and not charging tax on it. That would be a little bit shady. Let's say somebody goes around and steals stuff from people at night and then sells stuff back to them the next day. That would be kind of shady. So usually somewhat criminal, somewhat illegal. Next question is from Gary. Let's see here. Gary says, hi, Bob, please read the following words. Situation, resolve, solve, and give an example of using the words enhance and ongoing. So let me repeat those first three again for you. So we have situation, resolve, solve, and then enhance and ongoing. When you try to enhance something, you make it better. I try to enhance my live lessons by having the river cam set up so people can see the river every once in a while. Um, I try to enhance uh, my live streams by being in a good mood. Um, and then what's the second one here? Ongoing. 
So, I have an ongoing series right now uh, about expressing emotions. I think I did hope and worry. I think I'm doing one on anger this week. I have to check my schedule but it's an ongoing series. That means it continues to happen. Uh, let's see here. Next question. It's from S. L. Lanka. Hi, teacher Bob. How to pronounce odious and arduous? Are these two words have the same pronunciation? Thank you. No, odious and arduous do not. Um, and let's get official definitions of each of them. So, arduous, involving or requiring strenuous effort. And then, odious. Uh, let's see here. Deserving hatred. Oh, not, not a very nice word. Okay, let's, um, Let's go to the, sorry, there's people being loud over there and it's a little bit distracting. From Lolly Lolly, bonjour, Bob. When we hit a plateau in English, what can we do to solve this problem? Merci beaucoup. Well, the answer is not always that nice, but here's what you need to do. You need to change things radically. So, here's a good example. Let's say you've been watching my live lessons for a couple of years and you haven't been watching any other English teachers on YouTube, please start watching other English teachers. If you've only been reading uh, books, um, if you've only been reading books uh, about things you like, try to read books about things you don't like as well. You need to change things up a bit and sometimes that's not super enjoyable. Let's see here. Just let me see. There's probably other things you can do, Lolly, and I think I did do a video about that once. So, you can go and check uh, if you search for what to do if you plateau when learning English. There we go. Let's see. Next question is from Kai. Why does person B use the past tense in this conversation? A, I just read Harry Potter's book. Oh, I loved it probably because person B has already read the book. Like, if you said, um, I just watched the Olympics, I would say, oh, I loved it. It was great. It was very enjoyable. So, you would switch to the past tense if you're talking, if you're responding and talking about something you've already finished. Uh, Vladislav, hello, teacher Bob. I have a question for you. Could you please explain what's the difference between these two collocations? Take into account take into consideration. They mean the same. When I do an English lesson outside, I have to take into account that it might rain. I have to take into consideration that the weather might change. So, they definitely are very, very similar and they mean the same thing. Sorry to be so distracted, everybody. It's not normal but there's like all kinds of people stopping in to buy flowers right now and I find it a little bit... uh... It is normal for people to buy flowers. It's just not normal... For them to be so loud. So, you could probably hear Jen talking and laughing a little bit. Uh, next question is from Angelina. Hi, Bob the Canadian. I'm an English teacher at Russian school from Uzbekistan. Please say hello to my students. Thanks a lot. Well, hello to all of Angelina's students. Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a good day over there in Uzbekistan. And I hope that you uh, just continue to work hard uh, while you're learning English. Salman, I have a problem with pronunciation. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I think shadowing is one of the best things you can do. Shadowing is when you 
let's say you find a YouTube video, you play part of the video, you hit pause, you say out loud what you've just heard and you just repeat, you just keep doing that. Um, It helps you exercise the muscles you need to use. It helps you do a lot of listen and repeat. It's just a good activity. So, do as much shadowing as you can. Tom has the next question. Hi, Bob. Have a nice day. My question, how can I memorize vocabulary? Well, this is different for different people. Some people find it very, very easy to memorize lots of vocabulary. But one thing that really helps is if you use that vocabulary at least two or three times within a day or two of learning it. So, if you, for instance, learn 10 new vocabulary words. Hey, you guys were pretty loud. Oh, loud? <laughs> no, it was fine. <laughs> No, that's no problem. My, I think my viewers probably couldn't hear it, but I kept looking that way. So, I was a little bit distracted. Okay. Jen says that all the flower pickups are done. Um, using vocabulary quickly, either in writing, in a conversation with an English tutor, um, that is just one, even if it's kind of artificial, like if you learn 40 vocabulary words and you make a list and you put it beside your computer screen and then when you have a conversation on Zoom, you make sure you use all the words. That's a good way to do it. People saying hi in the chat to Jen. She's already gone though. She's she's gone past very quickly but I think she appreciates that. Let's see here. From Albina. Hello, Bob from Uzbekistan. I have a question. Which one is correct? What does it mean or what is it mean? The first one, what does it mean? Like when the sky gets very dark, what does it mean? It means that it's probably going to rain. Or when someone stares at you, what does it mean? It might mean they think they recognize you or maybe they think you're very attractive. But either way, they shouldn't do it. They shouldn't, you shouldn't stare at someone. It's not very polite. Uh, let's see here. Ahmed. Let's see here. Please, Mr. Bob, I was just studying the difference between must and have to in the Egyptian curriculum of English and it's not well explained. Could you please explain it? Ahmed, I can give you examples of informal sentences we would say and usually in informal English, they mean the same thing, okay? So, I must drink water. All human beings must drink water. All human beings have to drink water. It's important. If you are a person living on this planet, you must eat, you have to eat, you must drink water, you have to drink water. So, there you go. Some examples. Laura from Spain. Hello, Bob. I have a question. What's the difference between in the beginning and at the beginning? Can you give an example, please? So, in the beginning, there's a very slight difference. So, let's say, you know, at the beginning, when I started this YouTube channel, I wasn't very confident that my videos would do well. In the beginning, when I started this YouTube channel, I wasn't very confident that my videos would do well. Yeah, I think they're very, I think they're actually the same, you know. You know, in the beginning, he was a hard worker, but now he isn't. At the beginning, uh, he was a hard worker. Yeah, it's, it's challenging to explain. I think they're interchangeable though. I have to think about that one a bit more. Good question, Laura. Uh, let's see here. Yasin, hello, Bobby from Iraqi Kurdistan. Hope you are doing well. My question is, what does it mean drill down on something? Next questions, if you're entitled to something. So, when you drill down, it means like you're really researching hard. Like, if I was going to drill down um, on a certain subject, I would make like a 30-minute video about it. It would be very thorough. 
I would do a lot of research. I would drill down. Um, and if you're entitled to something, it means you think you should have it regardless of whether you worked for it or not. Okay. Sometimes, um, let's see, what's a good example of this? I think sometimes wealthy rich people think that they're entitled to speed on the highway because they pay more taxes. Uh, next question from Haley. Can you tell me some sports? Sure. In Canada, we play hockey. We play a game called lacrosse too, although I haven't played that game very often. Um, another sport would be volleyball. Football in America involves throwing the ball, whereas in the UK and most other parts of the world, it involves kicking it more. Um, there's, did I say volleyball? Um, that's all I can think of. I'm not very good at listing sports off the top of my head. Uh, let's see here. John Michael says, Sir Bob, what's the difference between but and however? Um, yeah, I was going to do this lesson inside, but I thought everyone thought it would be nicer to be outside. I was going to do this lesson inside. However, people are happier when I do it outside. There is a slight difference. The but brings in a different part of the question than however. Um, I like being on camera, but sometimes I'm nervous. I like being on camera. However, sometimes I'm nervous. So they, they are somewhat related. Tricky, tricky question. I think you're better off using but most of the time. However is a less common word in English. Uh, I think we in informal speech might use the word but a lot more. Hey, let me make a small change here, everybody. As you know, as we get to this part of the lesson, I usually switch to members only chat mode for 10 minutes. So for those of you that are not members, you won't be able to chat just for 10 minutes and members will be able to ask questions directly in the chat while I continue to teach. Um, and if you are a member, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I feel like there's like minimal delay today. You guys are getting me almost within a few seconds after I say the words. Mode says to Dave the Canadian, man, I don't like to see so many emojis. Haha, ha, maybe I got carried away because I'm super excited today. Yes, Nightbot gets a little bit bent out of shape if you use too many emojis. When uh, someone or something, I guess, gets bent out of shape, it means they get angry and act forcefully. Let's see here. I'm going to answer questions from here as well, of course. Um, Arian says, now yesterday, just let me check something. Yesterday when I switched chat mode, um, it didn't actually work perfectly. I think it's working now. Hello, Mr. Bob. Hope you are well. I'm from Bangladesh. My question is, do you know which part of the world is situated this country? Yes, definitely. I am very good with geography. I know that when I played GeoGuessr, I was able to find most countries. Uh, and I know that you are somewhere um, east of China, but west of Iran, somewhere in that area, north of India. Am I in the right spot? There we go. I think I'm in the right part of the world. Should I check a map for a sec just to make sure? to make sure I know what I'm talking about. So let's see here. A country in Southeast Asia and you are to the, I guess, not quite north of India, to the east of India for sure. But I think I got the general vicinity right. My geography skills could be better for sure. Uh, let me jump to the chat though. Let's see. Um... Sita says, hey, Mr. Bob, thank you for your great job. No question today. Thanks, Sita. Mode Eggs. Hi again, Mr. Bob. Could you please explain the phrase in the weeds? Thank you. 
So in the weeds, let's look that one up. So I don't use this phrase a lot. Uh, let's see here. In the weeds means to be very behind. It's from the 1990s. And it means to be in a hopeless situation. To be too concerned with small details and to be lost or to be behind due to looking at small details. It's not a phrase I use a lot, but uh, definitely if I heard it, I would understand it in context. It might be more American, you know, in terms of a phrase. Let's see here. Betty says, hi, teacher Bob. What does out of sight and cocky mean? Also, could you pronounce wheel and specific slowly? Please stay hydrated and rest well. So out of sight means that you can't see it. Here's my water. I put it over here so it's out of sight. I don't want it to be in the frame when I'm doing a lesson. So I put it out of sight. Um, and then cocky means to be like, like arrogant and think you're very, very important and, and then show to other people that you are. So a cocky person thinks they're good looking. They think everyone else thinks they're good looking and thinks they're funny and thinks everyone else does as well. Um, and then let me pronounce wheel and specific. There you go. Wheel and specific. Uh, Maria C. Hi, Bob. How are you? I watched the video you did for English with Lucy's channel. It would be awesome if you did one with Luke from Luke's English podcast. I mentioned it many times. I will look into that for sure. I don't do a lot of collaborations, but um, this fall I am going to be working. I'm going to be teaching a little bit less. So maybe I'll have more times for time for that. Thank you for the suggestion. Rod says, I miss it when you used to teach in your classroom. It's a great memory, Mr. Bob. Yes, Rod. I actually went to school a couple weeks ago and I went to my classroom to start getting ready to teach my in-person classes and it was kind of emotional and I thought I should do lessons from there again. It was fun. Wanda, hi teacher Bob, just a comment. It was great your performance in Lucy's channel talking about the Canadian accent. Thank you, Wanda. For those of you that don't know what Wanda and Maria C are talking about, I did. Sorry, I thought my, I thought the river cam fell over. It did it. It's fine. But it looks like there's a boat. Oh, I should have zoomed in. Let's see if I can do that still. Um, I don't think I can zoom very far. Nope, that's as much as I can zoom. But it looks like there might be someone out there in a small canoe. Uh, we'll leave things on river cam for a bit. Um, uh, yes, I did an English uh, collaboration lesson with Lucy and Rachel. And it's available on Lucy's channel, English with Lucy, if you want to watch it. Let's see here. I think you took some of the credit that Maria C. deserves, Mr. Bob. I'm talking about geography and GeoGuessr. Yes, she definitely deserves a lot of credit. Um, let me see here. Brent says, when I worked at a diner in college as a server, we used in the weeds all the time when we couldn't keep up with all of our tables, getting food out on time, etc. Oh, yes. So it makes sense. When you walk through weeds, it slows down um, you can't walk as fast when you walk through weeds. So it would make sense. Lolly lolly. I often hear kind of, if I say I'm kind of fed up with you, not you, Bob, <laughs> it's an example. In this case, kind of, does it mean a little? Could you tell me more about its use? We use kind of a lot. Like, and it doesn't mean a lot. It doesn't mean, I guess it means in between. Like I'm kind of excited to do this live stream and I'm kind of excited, uh, that this afternoon I'm going to be doing some farm work. I'm kind of excited. So I guess it means a little bit. Yes, definitely. We would say that that means a little bit excited. Kind of. We use it a lot. Kind of. We, we, when we say it fast, kind of. 
you know, I'm kind of thirsty. Kind of happy I brought my bottle of water out here. I should close the lid so bugs don't go in. Uh, Maria C. You and Bob, I'm, I'm feel, sorry, <laughs> I can't read today. Maria C. Brent, you and Bob should film a video together like an interview. I think you didn't do that yet. We should do that sometime. Uh, we talked about it a year ago and I think once COVID started, it's hard to uh, to finalize plans, I think. Mode eggs. Looking forward for part two of the collab on pronunciation difference. I really want to hear the cute O sound. Yes, I do talk about the word about and boats a little bit in the second video with Rachel and Lucy. It's not out yet. I don't know when it's coming out. I think Lucy said in a month or so. Uh, let's see here. This would have been a good day to have a road cam up instead of a river cam. That was a large truck going by. Um, Brent says, Maria C, we did a video together last year about ice cream. That was fun. But this summer has just been so busy. Maybe next summer. Lolly Lolly says, thanks, Bob. Maria C says, I like that Brent should be the American part of the second part with Lucy and Bob. Yes, I, Brent would have been a good choice, wouldn't he? With his solid American accent. Um, Eugene says, nice day. It is. Eugene, are you happy that it's like normal temperatures again? It's beautiful out here. Uh, Yawen says, Brent invites everyone to come here, so I have to stay up late. I have no questions. Just say hello to two great teachers. Thank you very much. And then thanks, Brent, too, for inviting people over. I think, Brent, you must have had a live stream this morning. I didn't check, but uh, I'm imagining that you did. Um, Maria C says, thanks, but I'm so tiny. Yes, mighty. That's a better word. A mighty good teacher. That's what I would say. Maria C, yes, I watched that video, but you recorded your part separately. Yes, that's true. Uh, Maria C, your huge Brent, best American English teacher. Yes, definitely. I think Brent deserves a lot of credit. He's a hardworking guy. He's got a great channel. He's very personable, which is a quality I think makes a good teacher. Uh, Eugene, we are going to Mountsburg Conservation Area today to see Mountsburgs. Very cool. And then I do have someone who has just joined and become a member. Thank you so much for joining the channel and for becoming a member here. I have a cat approaching. I don't know if it will keep... Yep, it's coming this way. I'm not sure what's going to happen. We'll see. Nope, it's going away now. Sorry, no cats in the video today. Uh, let's see here. Um, let me get back to my settings here. And we're going to go back to subscriber-only chat mode. There we go. It's like it's a lot of wildlife this morning. Uh, cats aren't really wildlife, but kind of fun. Um, where are we at? Did I answer Arian's question? Yes. And then next question from Zidane. How to get a good accent in English? Hey, before I answer this question, I do want to pause and thank all of my members. There are uh, people who become members to uh, basically support me. They help me buy equipment. They help me um, just do a good job teaching English here. So if you click the join button below. Oh, was there a cat? If, oh, no cat now. If you click the join button below, uh, you will get some information about what it means to be a member of the channel. You get your name in green. You get to participate in members-only chat during the live lessons. Um, you get an extra video on Wednesdays and a few other things. So if you're interested, check out the join button below. How to get a good accent in English. I think I'm just going to say this again. Don't 
just listen. Make sure when you're doing listening activities, you pause and say things out loud as often as you can. I think some people sometimes forget that, you know, when I was learning to shoot a hockey puck, I did it over and over again to to perfect it, to get good at it. Speaking is also kind of like a sport. You need to work the muscles. You can't pronounce certain sounds without trying to repeatedly do it so that your tongue and throat and vocal cords, so everything works properly. So make sure you are reading things out loud. Let's see. Modag says, I don't consider Brent an American. I consider him utopian because that's where perfect children come from. Yes, again, Brent, it seems like Brent has uh, was a perfect child, I think. Uh, let's see here. And then Felix says, thanks, Mr. Bob. Your lessons have been fabulous to use with my students with intellectual impairments in the USA. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that you find them useful. Um, I hope your students enjoy watching them. It sounds like they do. Uh, next question is from Isra. What's the difference between go around, turn around, come around? Yeah. So if I drive up to the store to buy something large, they might say, can you go around to the back of the store? Because it won't fit through the front door. Can you go around? If someone comes here and we're having a party, I would say, oh yeah, go around to the back of the house. We're all in the backyard. So go around to the back. Turn around simply means like to turn your whole body and face the other way. Like I can turn around and look that way and I can turn around and look back. Uh, and then sometimes people come around to buy flowers. It just means that people come to the farm. I don't know why we add the word around, but definitely um, like this morning, there were four or five people that came around uh, to buy flowers from the farm. Next question from Roy from Japan. Roy says, hello, Mr. Bob. I have an entrance exam for college in January and I've been so, so, so busy preparing for that. And it's also really hard. Could you please cheer me up? Well, first of all, I I just have huge admiration for the fact that you are doing that. I think it's a lot of hard work. I think that you are an awesome person. So I hope that cheers you up. The second thing I would say is I think if you've done a lot of preparation, I think you'll do well. Part of passing these entrance exams is to make sure you practice early. I'm very happy, Roy, to hear that it's August and you're already preparing. So just work hard. You can do it. I know you can. Uh, Mode Eggs, member for five months, says, C'est un plaisir d'être votre étudiant, monsieur. So the French translation would be, It's a pleasure to be your student, sir. Thanks, Mode Eggs. Very nice. Let's see here. From Desing, I am always confused when using been. Clarify, sir. Yeah, so this is a verb tense that can be tricky, right? Like, I've been doing these live streams for many years. I've been outside for almost an hour this morning. I've been wondering if I should do less videos on YouTube. That's not true. I haven't been wondering that. I've been staying up late at night watching French television. So there are a few example sentences. um, But if you really, really need uh, a review, you should review your verb tenses so that um, you can get that one down pat. There's some weird stuff going by on the road today. Sorry, that was a trailer with a little house on the back. I wish I had had the camera set up. Um, let's see, Mike. Hi, Bob. Could you please, could you use these in example sentences? Precipitously. 
the birds and the bees and to rave about something. So precipitously means to be close to the edge of it. Let's get the formal definition. It's not a very common word. Precipitously. There we go. Very steeply or hastily and without careful consideration. So there you go. Again, not a very common word, at least not for me. I don't use the word very often. The birds and the bees is another way to talk about uh, sex, okay? So sometimes people will say, uh, they'll say something like, have you talked to your teenage children about the birds and the bees? Like, have you explained how that all works? And they're basically talking about, you know, have you explained to them what it means to be a boy and a girl and what can happen if you have sex, the fact that you can have babies and all those other things. So the birds and the bees is like this lighthearted way to refer to that act. And then what do we have here to rave about something? So when you rave about something, you're just, you really like it and you talk about it a lot. So if you're someone who likes cats, you might rave about cats all the time. It means you talk about them a lot. Let's see here. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer this one. This is from Artyom. Can we use the verb should as an auxiliary instead of would in first person future in the past tenses, considering the fact that should is the past form of shall? I don't know the answer to that. That's too, that's too challenging for me to think of off the top of the head, off the top of my head. Um, Let's see here. Future in the past tenses. Let's get an example sentence. I should keep a big chart. Let's see here. Yeah, I can't answer that very quickly. I would need to do a whole lesson on that one. Um, But he, yeah, he would have gone. He should have gone. We don't use shall. We don't. So, sorry. Sorry, Artyom. Uh, You stumped Bob the Canadian. Grammar questions can do that to me. Tricky. Sometimes very tricky. Let's see here. Ahmed, hi, Teacher Bob. Your video with Lucy was actually epic. What do you know about Egypt? I know that I watched a documentary just last week about the River Nile. I know that the River Nile, all of the water comes from the upper plains, I think, in other countries like Ethiopia. And I know that the River Nile, um, it said something like 90% of the population lives within 100 kilometers of the Nile, something like that. Maybe I got that one wrong. Uh, And that it flows into the Nile Delta, where it kind of flows into the Mediterranean. So it was very cool, very fun to watch. Um, They were harvesting dates. That's what was happening in that episode. Irfan says, which book is best to read for beginners? So the best book to read, and this can be hard to figure out, is one that's not too easy, but not too hard. You're always trying to figure out what's in the middle. So start with a kid's book. If you can read it from start to end and you know everything, too easy. Then try to read like young adult fiction. See if you can read one of those books from start to end. If you can, too easy. Then start reading normal fiction. Um, But for beginners, I would start with comics. I would start with kid's books. Even if you're an adult, start reading kid's books. There's no shame in reading books meant for kids. Uh, Let's see here. Aubrey Bermudez in the chat says, Hi, Bob. I'm a fan from the Philippines. Cool, Aubrey. Thank you so much for dropping in. Uh, Let's see here. Next question is from Ken. Hi, Bob. How have you been when you're a kid? We would probably say, what were you like when you were a kid? 
Thanks anyway, have a great day. I was very curious. I think that's probably the number one description for me as a kid. I was very curious. I read a lot of books. I was outside a lot. Um, I played a lot. I was always, I was always doing something. I didn't sit still very often when I was a kid. Natalie says, hello, teacher Bob. What is the difference between bet and stake as verbs? Thank you. So when you bet money, like it means you go, maybe you go to the horse track and you say, I want to bet $100 on horse number four. So you give, you basically try to win money. You bet your own money. And if the race ends the way you predicted, you get money. So you place a bet. Um, When you stake something, it's similar. Like you can stake, it's just a less common way to refer to betting and to investing money. I'm going to look that up for a sec. Let's see here. Meaning of to stake. Because you can stake your claim as well. Um, Yeah, it doesn't even come up in the sense that I'm looking for. So, uh, yeah. To put a claim to a geographic area, to stake your claim. So, not a great definition, but that is how we would use it. Let's see here. From Brian. Hi, Bob. In this sentence, to everyone that told me that I wouldn't amount to anything, what does the amount mean? So, when you're young... Sometimes older people will say, you're never going to amount to anything. Basically, what they're saying is they don't think you'll ever become successful in life. They don't think you'll ever run a business or do something successful or get a good job. They don't think you'll ever amount to anything. So it's kind of a way to talk about um, getting successful in life. Um, No one ever said that to me. That's not a very nice thing to say. It's not nice to say to someone, you're not going to amount to anything. Williams Diaz. Hello, Bob. Can you explain what means yours truly? You still use that nowadays. Generally, no. If I send a very formal letter, I usually end the letter by putting sincerely and then my name. Uh, Yours truly. Yeah, it's an older way to end a letter. Certainly not very common anymore, especially with email. With email, we don't really have any um, thing at the end of an email, right? Next question from Toei. Hi there. What is the difference between beat and beat up? Like in these sentences, I'll beat them. I'll beat them up. Well, here's a good example. If you were going to play soccer against another team, if you had a football game against another team, and if you said, I'll beat them, it means that you are going to win the game. Okay. We're going to beat them. If you said we're going to beat them up, it would mean that you're going to run out on the field and start punching them. So very, very big difference. If you say we'll beat them, it means you will win the game. If you say we'll beat them up, it means you're going to have a fist fight with them and you think you'll win the fist fight. Very, very different. Uh, Semra, I like your correction on questions even about details. Thank you, Bob. Have a good weekend. Yeah, I tried to... I know everyone makes mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes when I speak French, even if I started speaking French now. Même si je commence à parler le français maintenant, je sais que je vais faire des fautes. I know that if I started speaking French now, I would make mistakes. I probably made two. But uh, it's nice to just speak anyways. And it's nice when people correct you in a nice way, right? I think it's, um, it's just part of learning a language. You are going to make mistakes. Uh, Lulian, hello, Mr. Bob. I haven't spoken to you for two years 
and I think my English is better now due to you too. Well, thank you very much, Lillian. That is, uh, it's an honor to have helped you become better at speaking English. Very cool. Um, I think that uh, the more you listen, the more you shadow, the more you practice, everything you do just helps. And I'm happy that I can be part of it. Um, let's see. English practice with Kathy says, well, vous parlez français. C'est très cool. Uh, oui, c'est très cool que je parle français. Peut-être. We'll see. I've never actually had a French conversation with any of my viewers who are from France. That would be interesting someday uh, to see what they think of my French. Lolly says, your French is so good. Thanks, Lolly. Merci beaucoup. Uh, let's see here. Next question. Aman says, hello, you are the best. Thank you. Question. How do you think? Is it a good is it a good idea if I will learn English, French and English at the same time? By the way, I don't know even one word in French. It really depends on what your um, native language is. I know that people who speak certain languages find it very easy to learn French. Um, like if you speak Spanish or Italian, it can be very easy to learn French, which is a very the languages are very close. Um, I think that if I was to try and learn two languages at once, it would be difficult. But I think, Aman, if you think you can do it, I think you would uh, do quite well. I'm, I just have this feeling. Let's see here. Martin says, oh, first, Eduardo, thanks for the super chat. Mar uh, Eduardo says, you're great. Gives me the thumbs up and the uh, emoji smiley face with the sunglasses, which is the one I like. I use that one quite often when I'm replying to comments. Um, Mode says, Bob the Canadian, you speak faster than Pierre from Francais avec Pierre. Francais avec Pierre is very, very cool. I really like Francais avec Pierre and Elisa and Elise. And there's one other one I can't think of right now. There are a number of French YouTubers I watch. They're all awesome. Um, so, oceanographer. I'm an oceanographer. Do you know any oceanographers in Canada? Do you like earth sciences? Greetings from Argentina. That is cool. I do not know anyone who is an oceanographer. Someone who specializes in studying the ocean and the bottom of the ocean and everything that goes on in the ocean. Very, very cool, Martin. Should I look up the meaning of oceanographer so we know exactly what Martin does? It is the... It is the study of the physical geography of the ocean. Very, very cool. Okay, let's see here. Natasha. What's the difference between improve and master? Like in the sentence, I can help you improve slash master your English. So if your English is at this level and you work really hard, you can improve your English so you can get better. But if you look at it like one is a beginner and 10 is perfect English, if you make it to level 10, you have mastered your English. You have mastered the English language. So if someone says, I can help you improve, it means they'll help you get better. If they say they will help you master it, it means they will help you understand everything about English and speak it perfectly and write it perfectly and understand it perfectly. And we have a question from Jason. I wonder... I want to know how, little fix there. I want to know how to improve English speaking. I really want to speak fluently. Well, Jason, you should learn to master speaking English. <laughs> Go right to the top. I'm sorry. I'm just joking. Um, 
So speaking is one of those things where I often recommend that you find a conversation partner. I know for those of you that watch these live lessons every week, um, you probably have heard me say this quite a number of times. You can learn, you can do a lot of reading and listening and writing on your own. But when it comes to speaking, sometimes you just need to have an English speaking partner who you meet with regularly. That's just the best advice I can give you. You can do a lot of shadowing. You can listen and say out loud. You can read out loud. You can talk to yourself. There are a lot of things you can do on your own, but nothing. there's nothing quite like having an actual native speaker who you talk to. Uh, let's see here. Juan, hello, Teacher Bob. It's an honor viewing your videos. I'm preparing to immigrate to Canada. Could you give me any advice? Greetings from Peru, South America. Well, if you're moving to any part of Canada that's cold, make sure you have warm clothes with you. One of the things that people don't realize sometimes is if you move to Ottawa or Toronto or Calgary or Edmonton or Winnipeg or Montreal, uh, the vast majority of our cities are quite cold in the winter, okay? Especially if you're in a place like Montreal, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Edmonton. Those are very cold cities. Where I live, we also have a cold winter. But it's not as bad. It can be. But uh, certainly if you're moving to one of those big cities, uh, make sure you have warm clothes. If you're moving to the West Coast, the weather is a lot more mild. It's not quite as bad. Let's see here. I'm just reading some of the comments. So Ezekiel says, content you already know as a TV show isn't good because you know what happens. That can be helpful though. Sometimes it's good to watch things where you know what's going to happen. I actually like TV shows better than movies because you get to know the characters and you can kind of get a sense of what's going on. And it's a little easier sometimes. But anyways, let me get back. Let's see here. I'm going to skip the next one. Sorry, a bug flew in my ear if you're wondering what happened. Trevor. Trevor says, I want to study abroad for a master's degree. Which do you think is better, Canada or America? So I made a few fixes in there, Trevor. I want to study abroad for a master's degree. Which do you think is better, Canada or America? Uh, Either. Both the United States and Canada have excellent universities. If you are coming to study for a master's, I think what I would look at is um, decide which one is better for you after you do it. So if you get a degree from a Canadian university, will it help you get a job in the field you want to work? Or is it better to go to an American or or is it better to go to a U.S. university or an American university? That's what I would say. But in terms of quality, equal. Um, Canada and the United States have excellent universities for sure. Uh, Let me see here. question from Rocky. Hi, teacher Bob. Which one is a correct sentence? It never fit correctly or it never fit right. Thanks. We would say both. I bought a shirt and I never wear it because it never fit correctly. It never fit right. Uh, It was never comfortable. That's how I would see. Yes, definitely. It never fit correctly or it never fit right. I think the second sentence uh, is probably more common. It never fit right. You might even say it didn't, it never fit right. Um, it was too big. It was too small. Uh, the collar was, you know, didn't feel right. You can use feel as well when talking about clothing. 
Um, but maybe you weren't talking about clothing. Maybe you were talking about like a part in a car. It didn't fit right. Um, it never fit right. Yep, that's what I would say. Um, let's see here. Surayo. Dear Bob, could you please shoot a video about phrasal verbs, which you use a lot on a daily basis? Thanks a lot. So I did a video, I did a few videos on phrasal verbs and I did a few videos on daily routine, but I've never really combined the two. So let me think about that because it would be kind of fun to do phrasal verbs that I use in my daily routines. Maybe that's a good video to do later this fall. I'll think about it. Sounds fun. Um, hey, I do want to say hi to the 488 people watching. If you're new here, don't forget to click that subscribe button there. Uh, and, uh, you will get notified when I do uh, English lessons, which is usually uh, once a week. I do a lesson every Tuesday. I do a live lesson every Friday and I do this lesson on Saturday. So, but hey, I'm going to go to River Cam for a little bit. I'm going to talk a bit about the next couple weeks, just so you know what's happening. Um, I don't have a vacation plan. We're not going anywhere. But what I do have planned is I want to take a short break from doing YouTube videos for one week. So what's going to happen is I'm going to spend a little more time doing work on the farm with Jen. I'm going to spend a little more time getting ready for school. I want to do that in advance. And in order to do that, I'm going to do this. Um, there will be a video this Tuesday. Next week, Friday, there will be no live lesson. I'm sorry. Next week, Saturday, there will be no live lesson. Sorry. And then the following Tuesday, there will be no lesson. I'm going to take three complete days off from YouTube in my normal schedule. And again, I'm just doing that for a few reasons. One is um, I just want to rest my voice a bit before the school year starts. Two, I have a lot of stuff to do here on the farm. Uh, three, I need a bit of a mental break from YouTube. I just need some peace of mind for a bit. Uh, and then what was the fourth one? Oh, get ready for the school year. I think all of that is coming up very, very soon. So anyways, uh, I guess you might miss one or two lessons. You guys all need a break anyways, right? So, and we'll reconvene at a Friday live lesson in a week and a bit. Does that sound about right? Sounds good. Anyways, Bob the Canadian here. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks to Dave for uh, flying solo today and moderating the chat. Thanks to all of you who are members. Thanks to Mirage and Kaiseta. Thanks to Mode Eggs and Eugene and Semra. And thanks to Lolly Lolly and Maria C and Eugene. Thanks to Brent from American English with this guy and Rod, the Brazilian English teacher as well. Uh, and thanks to all of you, Cecilia, Romia. I know Ario is usually here somewhere. Judith is usually in the chat. Thank you all for watching. Sorry, I didn't get through all of the questions. Um, but uh, sometimes that's just the way it goes. Anyways, have a great week. See you Tuesday with a new video and then a uh, little bit of a break. And then we'll be back uh, in the swing of things in about a week and a half. Bye, everybody. Have a great Hi, Bob the Canadian here. Thank you for listening to this English podcast lesson. If you would like to support me in the work that I do as an online English teacher, please visit patreon.com slash bobthecanadian.